everybody doing this morning? I'm so grateful for the presence of God. It's worth getting out of bed for. It's worth getting up and getting our clothes on and coming to church. Glad everybody has their clothes on. <laughs> Took a shower. Everybody smells good. Thank you for prioritizing Jesus. What a privilege it is to, to serve Jesus with y'all and to, to, just to make him the Lord of our lives. Um, been kind of a tough week. Everybody had a tough week this week? Yeah. Um, our, our Johnny, our piano player, he's, he's in the hospital fighting for his life right now. And uh, just keep him in your prayers. Uh, Jesse, his wife's father passed away, and then his cousin passed away about three or four days later. So it, it's been kind of a test, everything. But life is a test. Anybody know that's right? Yeah, life is just a test, and uh, I'm glad we have Jesus to help us pass the test. I always, I always, uh, I always liked it when I had, like, when I take a test, if the answers is in the back of the book. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't have a very good memory, but when the, you got the answer in the back of the book, you know, and I read the end of the book, and it said we win. That's the main thing, right? I mean, it's like we win. <laughs> So good to see everybody. Uh, so enjoyed the worship time this morning. His goodness is running after me. You know, it's like, man, he, you know God's good to us. Any, any chance he gets, he's going to be good to us. He's going to help us along the way. Uh, I don't know about you, but I need help navigating the way. I need help. I don't, I'm not one of those proud men that's afraid to ask for directions. I need help. And that's not a surprise to my wife or anybody else. I need help. My name's Randy Weaver. I need help. And uh, that's why we have church. That's why we have Jesus. Because we were not created. Man was not meant to be alone. We were created for, for community. We have a lot of people watching online. We thank you for watching online. We just encourage you. Uh, find somebody you can worship with. Come invite them to your house or your barn or wherever, and have church. Amen. So, kind of in the middle of a series, not kind of, we are, in the middle of a series of stress. Uh, who needs it? I don't need it. And enough is enough. I, I'm going to declare war on stress. Anybody tired of it? You just, uh, I'm telling you, this world will throw a lot of things at you, but God has an answer for everything. And so that's what we're going to preach about this morning because I think it's important that we understand that, that God has a plan. And we know, we, we talked about it a little bit last week, that if anybody ever had a reason to stress, it was Jesus. I mean, just about everywhere he went, he ran into Can I say stupid people in church? Can I say that? He ran into a lot of people that just didn't get it. And they didn't like him. And how he handled the stress was so much different than the way we handle it sometimes. Y'all with me so far? And the Bible says that we are born again. 
when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, that we take on this new nature that our, the old things have passed away and behold all of the new things. They, they become new and we don't do things the way we used to do them. And we call ourselves Christians, which means to be Christ-like. In other words, the way that Jesus handles stress, it'd probably be a good idea if we check that out so that we would handle stress a little bit better. Anybody need to handle your stress a little bit better? Yeah. Twelve of you. <laughs> I think I'm on the right track. Just saying. Just saying. Just to, just to recap a little bit. Jesus was never in a hurry. I said, Jesus was never in a hurry. I'm always going too fast. You don't believe that. That's the officers that pull me over. <laughs> he was always at ease. He had a calmness about his life that enabled him to handle enormous amounts of stress. How, how, how did he do this successfully? We jumped in the middle of it a little bit last week. We got to know who we are. Got to know who we are. Got to know our creator. If, I, if my Chevrolet pickup breaks down, I, I don't go to the Ford place to get it fixed. <laughs> my Ford pickup breaks down, I don't go to the Chevrolet people. Y'all with me? Why do we run to other places to get our stuff fixed? If we know who made us, we ought to go to the one who can fix us. The one who made you is the one that can fix you. Now, we get to thinking that we're in the fixing business, us, us uh, married people. Husbands, you are not created to fix your wife. Amen. And all the wives said. <laughs> wives, you're not in the business of fixing your husband. Oh, and all the husbands <laughs> said. <laughs> well, all of them did say. <clears throat> we go to the creator. Because he's the one that takes away our stress when we realize who we are. Know who you are. Jesus knew who he was. He said, I am. Everybody say, I am. He said, I am the way I am. Y'all can help me preach if you want. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus knew who he was. He said, I'm the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He knew who he was. He wasn't ashamed of who he was. He wasn't intimidated by who he was. He was not manipulated by people. Uh, he knew who he was. And he was at peace with himself. And the only way we can be at peace with ourselves is if, if we know who we are. And the only way we'll know who we are if we know the one who made us. Because he's the one that can tell us 
who we are. Know who you are. If you don't know who you are, you'll let other people pressure you into being somebody they want you to be. Your chosen race, a royal priesthood. Y'all get a hold of that. A chosen, your chosen people. A royal priesthood. You're, you're, you're adopted into the kingdom of God. You are sons and daughters of the most high God, adopted, adopted into the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not just talking about the king. I'm talking about the king of kings. And I'm not just talking about the Lord. I'm talking about the Lord of lords. I mean the one, the one and only king of kings, the one and only Lord of lords. He is the one who you are adopted into his family. And I'm telling you, when you get a hold of this, wild horses couldn't keep you from doing what you need to be doing. Because you have got to know who you are. Enough is enough. <sighs> Second thing is direction. <laughs> direction. Need direction. We need direction for our life. If we want to have peace in our life, my goodness, we got to stop wandering around behind the little animals. We got to have some direction. That's why we have church. That's why we have the Word of God. That's the reason God speaks to us individually about our specific situation in life because everybody's situation is different. We're all created differently, fearfully and wonderfully made. Got to have some direction. God's interested in results. Any of you guys, anybody own a business? You're interested in results, right? God's interested in results. It's kind of like the kind of like the, the cab driver and the preacher went to heaven. St. Peter, he's like, he's standing there at the Golden Gate, and cab driver, he uh, asked Peter if he could come in. Peter looks at the book and Peter says, yeah, 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 I got you. Okay, yeah, you can come in. And he gave the, he gave the cab driver a Mercedes to drive around heaven. He was happy. Preacher shows up, and uh, I think Peter looks in the book. He goes, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you can come in. He gave him a pair of roller skates. Preacher's like, I can't believe he was a cab driver and I'm a preacher. He gets a Mercedes and I get roller skates. St. Peter says, well, here in heaven, this is heaven. It's a little bit different than earth. We're interested in results. And when the cab driver drove, people prayed. And when you preached, people slept. <laughs> Talking about asking Jesus 
for direction in our lives. Went to Israel a few years back, and the thing that I noticed about that really occurred to me and it was illuminated was the fact that Jesus was intentional with his life. I have never read a book or talked to anybody or even lived even closely with the intentionality that Jesus had. Jesus was intentional with everywhere he went. That's big country, and you go traveling through that country and the places where Jesus went and the things that he did, he was very, very, very intentional with his life. And I was convicted to be more intentional with my life, to know where I need to go and to be who I need to be. John chapter 5, verse 30. It's interesting. It says, Jesus said, I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. We are Christ's representatives. We are Christians. We are to be Christ-like. And he, if he doesn't seek his own will, should we be seeking our own will? It's a good question. I, I know it might not be real popular, but too many times we want to talk more about what we want rather than what God wants for us. My mama used to say, you just got to want now. You want everything you see. But he said, I didn't come to seek my own will, but I came to seek the will of my Father. This is an example of what is valuable and brings peace to us because as long as we are seeking our own will, we will be frustrated and stressed because we don't ever really get what we want. But you can always have what God wants for you. The contentment that comes with your godliness is a contentment that comes with knowing what his will is for you and walking in that will and being faithful to him. Even though things may not turn out the way you think they should turn out, they will always turn out the way God thinks they should turn out in the long run because you are faith, a faithful follower of Jesus and that will bring peace to your life. And when you have peace, it's like oil and water. Oil doesn't mix with water, neither does peace miss, mix with stress. When you have peace, you won't have stress. But if you're ate up with stress, there is no peace. Jesus said, I am. Everybody say, I am. Jesus said, I am your peace. And if you want peace, just get filled up with Jesus. Because he is your peace. <clears throat> well, yeah. You ever feel like in life like you're going in circles? Dora and I went on a, a, a trip a few years back. We call it the coin toss trip because we didn't have a destination. We just flip a coin 
Heads turn right, tails turn left. We did that about five times, and about the fourth time we crossed over the Brazos River. <laughs> Y'all with me? It's like, Darla, nah, we gotta stop this. The definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing. You can't, you can't do the same thing you've always done. You, you, if you only have the information you have, you'll continue to make the same mistakes you made, but you got to get some new information if you want a new direction. Hmm. Someone might ought to write that down. That was pretty good. <laughs> so Jesus, listen to me, Jesus knew who he was trying to please. Who are you trying to please? There's a lot of people tugging on your, on your coat strings wanting you to please them. Y'all with me? Kids in school, people, people kind of pulling, we, well, this is popular, let's do this, let's do this. And, and, and at, at work, and, uh, who are we trying to please? Jesus said, I came to please my father. And then you remember what God said? He said this in um, uh, Matthew 3, 17. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus pleased the father. I mean, isn't that, shouldn't that be a great, great goal for us is to please our Father, which is in heaven, because he's been so faithful. I love, love that song. All my life, he's been so faithful. All my life, he's been so, so good. And I'm not saying it right, but it's true. I don't remember the whole song, because I forget things sometimes. Know who to please. Oh, and let me, let me say this. You can't please everybody, so you might as well try to please the most important person, which is God, However, I will say this, that a lot of people will not take counsel from godly people because I've given counsel before to people. Like being a preacher, you always give, I mean, there's always different people sometimes come in for counseling, and we've got a lot of people that give counseling here. But not very many people want to come to me for counseling because uh, I'm a suck it up guy, just suck it up. And get right, show up for church, get involved, do something, just get to doing something. Nobody wants that kind of counseling. They want, oh, it's okay, it'll be all right. Don't worry about it, God understands. You know, that's what they want. So a lot of times, like, if, if people come in and they, they want, they going, like, going through a divorce, and it's interesting to me, like, People that are going through a divorce, they always get counsel from somebody who's just been through a divorce. <laughs> Why do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. The reason is, is because we want to hear what we want to hear, not necessarily what God wants to say. Don't go to somebody that will agree with you on everything you do. Unless you're so proud you can't take it, then go ahead. It won't help you anyway what the preacher says. 
God knows the plans he has for you. And the plans are for you to be at peace. To, uh, and the, the, the scripture says to prosper you, not to harm you. And too many times we think prosperity has, the only thing prosperity has to do with money. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of prosperity that's much, much, much more valuable than, than money. <laughs> Prosperity of your soul, prosperity of peace, prosperity of, of contentment in your life, prosperity of knowing who you are in Christ, to identify and the prosperity of knowing the direction that God has taken you, the prosperity of being at, at peace and at confident who you are. I know who I am. I'm a son of the Most High God. That doesn't mean that everything's going to go the way I want it to go, but I know that I am a part of the kingdom of God, and I'm sheltered in the arms of God, that God will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll be a friend that sticks even closer than a brother. That's my God. That's who my God is. Know who you are. Jesus knew who he was. Bible says, Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom, his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things. Whose kingdom? Seek first whose kingdom? That's a big one, isn't it? Because we got our own little kingdoms. Well, I don't have no kingdom. Yes, you do. <laughs> we all have our little kingdoms. We drive in our little homes. We open our door to our little kingdom. But he said, seek ye first my kingdom, the kingdom of God, the king of kings' kingdom, and my righteousness. And the reason he said to seek, because really seeking is a verb showing action. That's what you did when you got up, come to church this morning, you were showing action by seeking first his kingdom this morning. You're saying, I'm going to, God, you're, this is more valuable to me than anything else in my life. And I'm going to put you first in my life. And I'm going to seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And the reason he said to seek his righteousness is because you'll never arrive at a point of being so righteous that you have, uh, you're so good. We never arrive. Why would we ever want to arrive? We are all people under construction. Seek his righteousness. The word righteousness means to be in right standing with God. And we are in right standing with God because of the blood sacrifice of Jesus that washed away our sins and cleansed us from all unrighteousness because he is our Lord and our Savior and we are his and My goodness and the goodness that I do is, the scripture says, my righteousness is like filthy rags. But his righteousness that he gives to us, and that's the reason, this is interesting because I'm talking about relieving stress and anxiety this morning. But this is interesting because too many times we don't ever think that we're good enough. Let me help you with that. You're not. 
<laughs> be good with it. You're not good enough. But he is. And because of his goodness and his righteousness, he has allowed us to come into his presence and invite us to come into his kingdom. You're not that good. Be good with it. But seek his righteousness. I can't believe it. I didn't plan on saying it like that. But it's really true, isn't it? We're just not that good. Now, if you think you're that good, uh, we have altars up here for you. You can come up anytime. Because we're not. Uh, in the believers, uh, the, the Bible in basic English and Matthew 6, it says, let your first care be for his kingdom. Let your first care, what do you, what do you care about? You ever said, I don't care? It's, it's hard sometimes when your care button gets broke. Anybody with me? Anybody get... <laughs> Y'all, I know you're looking awful holy out there like you, you, you. Sometimes our care button gets broke. Sometimes I don't feel like being a preacher. Sometimes I don't feel like caring for people. Sometimes I don't feel like being righteous. But caring is, it, here, here it is. Says, let your first care be for his kingdom. So when we care about him and we care about his kingdom, then all the other things come into focus. When we have this relationship, because here's here's the thing I think it's important, because we have a lot of people that volunteer for a lot of things around here. Aren't you thankful? Let's give all our volunteers a hand. I mean, we've got a boatload of volunteers. <laughs> Every once in a while, we have, we'll have a volunteer casualty where volunteers get burned out. And, and it's just like they get overloaded. We want all of our volunteers to be healthy. And we don't want the care button to be broke. But what, what I'm counseling you with is when we put him first, we can never get it right horizontally with people until we get it right vertically with God. And when it's right vertically with God, we'll know when to say no when, when people tell us what to do because we are, we are God pleasers first. <laughs> Because people are fickled and fleeting. And they will leave, but God won't ever leave. So put him first. And, and if, if, if you get to the point where you don't care anymore, I would just counsel you to go back to Jesus and let Jesus fill you up so that you can have wisdom and knowing what to volunteer and what to help with in the future. good let your first care be for his kingdom and his righteousness and all these other things will be given to you in addition put him first if I focus on one thing and one thing only pleasing God it will simplify my life 
If I'm focused on pleasing God, anybody need a more simple life? Anybody could use, I, I like simple. I don't know about y'all. If a complication brings stress to me, but being simple. And Jesus said, Jesus said this. He said that the word of God and the way of God is so simple that even a fool couldn't waver therein. I'm just glad that he let me in. The third thing is destination. Jesus said in John 8, 14, he said, my testimony is true for I know. Everybody say, I know. He said, I know where I came from and where I am going. I know where I came from and where I'm going. I think one of the, uh, I, sometimes I wish I had a better memory, but I forget a lot of things. You with me? I've got a, re, I think it's like a gift. <laughs> I have a gift of forgetting. I have people even in the roping world, if, they, if, if my healers miss, like two or three weeks later, they'll come up, man, I'm sorry I missed that steer for you. I'm going to catch it. I'm like, I don't even remember that. <laughs> Sometimes it's good to forget some things. Anybody, y'all with me? Sometimes it's going to be a gift to you. I'm talking about peace and relieving stress. Forget about it. The things that don't matter, forget about them. But here's what Jesus said here. This is important. He says, my testimony is true for I know where I came from and where I'm going. It's important for us to remember where we came from. Show me, Lord. Show me what you brought me from. Show me what I could have been back then. But now I remember and I know who I am because I am not who I used to be because I've been born again. I am a new creation. I am new in you. The old man has died and the new man has risen up in the glory of God. That's who I am. But I need to remember where God brought me from. The problem is, is a lot of times whenever uh, we get too prideful, we forget where we came from. And I'll say this, the more successful, the more successful we are, the more we will be tempted to forget where we came from. That's just for 12 of you. Jesus knew where he, is, where he was from. He knew where he was going. He knew what he wanted to accomplish in his life. The destination, know what you want to accomplish. Unless you know where you are going, how will you know if you ever get there? What do you want to accomplish in life? What are your values in life? What do you want to, where do you want to go? What do you want to be? Who do you want to be? God knew he wanted, and he said, put me first in my righteousness in the kingdom of God, and then all these other things. You'll know better about who God made you to be when you are closer, closer, closer to Jesus. Plan your life. Set your priorities, pursue your goals. If you know what you want to accomplish, it will help relieve a lot of pressure in your life. If you know who God 
made you to be and the gifts that he put in you and you pursue those things, he will eventually bring you to the place where you need to be. But there'll be some, some tests along the way and that's why we call it a testimony because there's tests along the way. I think it's important that we, I'm not really sure how to say this. I think it's important that we prepare along the way, prepare ahead of time for things that could happen in the future. What do I mean by that? Uh, We must understand what our values are morally, spiritually, what, what, what we're going to stand for and the morals that God put on that, 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 that are in the Bible. I'm not talking about the morals of the world at all. I'm talking about the morals of the word of God. I'm talking about spirituality, about who God made us to be. I'm talking about preparing ahead of time uh, financially. What are we going to do with finance when God blesses? So when I was in... Before I went to college, I had seen a lot of kids that went to college, and, and it's, it, it's almost like, it, it seemed like it's kind of a given that when kids go to college, they're just going to get stupid. They get away from home, and they're like, oh, man, I can do whatever I want. And then they do it. So I decided before I left home, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to stay in church. I made up my mind. I'm going to stay in church. I'm not going to the best of my ability. I'm not going to live. I'm not going to be like that. Made up my mind. So I get to college and uh, went to a Bible college. Did you know, just because you go to Bible college doesn't mean that it's really that <laughs> biblical. There's a lot of stuff going on at Bible colleges, I can tell you that. <clears throat> one Sunday afternoon, went to church Sunday morning. One Sunday afternoon, had church Sunday night too. And one Sunday afternoon, we was playing football and we was having a great time. And, and, uh, and I told some of my friends, I said, man, I got I, I to gotta get to church, church fixed. You're going to church tonight? We went to church this morning. Well, you need to go to church tonight. And I remembered the deal that I made with myself. It's, it's why we, it's, I'm going to tell you, it's important to make a deal with yourself before something happens. It's a lot easier if you already know what you're going to do morally, spiritually, financially. And so I, I, I remember throwing that football and saying, I got to go. And, and I, I walked away and went to church. Whatever we do, if you can decide ahead of time, before you ever, before those temptations ever come, you'll do a whole lot better job not giving in to those temptations financially. It's important that we we understand that financially, what are we going to do when we get blessed? Because honestly, when I was a little kid, my dad would give me temp, he'd give me a dollar, and he told me that 10 cents belongs to God. Take one zero off, 10 cents belongs to God. And he taught me to tithe off of a dollar. And throughout my life, I found out when I sold my first house, 
I'm going to talk to somebody right now. When I sold my first house, it was a good thing that I'd been taught to tithe because it's a lot easier to tithe on a dollar than it is $100,000. And I mean, I mean, let me just say this. Some of y'all, I know where your brain's going right now. Some of y'all, you're like, man, the preacher's talking about money. You better believe I'm talking about money. But let me tell you something. Stay with me. God doesn't give a rip about your money. He really doesn't. He's not impressed with your money. What impresses him is your obedience and your love for him. If you love him, you're going to take care of him. If, if you're obedient to him, you're going to do what he's asked you to do. And, and, if, and, and if, you, if, you, if you got a bad attitude about tithing and, and you're bitter about it and you do it, I'm going to tell you, just put it back in your pocket and go to the altar and get your heart right, then give it. Because that's what impresses God, your humble attitude before God, saying, God, none of this, because I'm going to put you first and your righteousness, and I'm not going to operate in the greed of the world, and I'm going to show you how much I love you, not just tell you I love you, but I'm going to show you how much I love you with my finances, with my morality, with, with my spirituality, with my whatever else I got written down up here. Uh, uh. All that other stuff. Prioritize eternity. I, I, I can't emphasize this enough. I hope this, it, if you're not taking notes, remember this, please. Above everything else, prioritize the eternal things. Because everything we do should be, be a reflection of eternity. It doesn't matter if we're roping in the arena. It doesn't matter if we're out on a boat on Lake Conroe. It doesn't matter if we're bailing hay. It doesn't matter if we're in, in our office building. We should always understand that eternity is something that is, is real and it's in the forefront of our mind because the most valuable investment that you will ever make is in eternity with you with other people we've got to start loving people the way that God loves them because it's not just us people going to heaven people in our world that we love they need Jesus too and when we love them we're going to know where we're going and we're comfortable in our own skin and we're not going to be intimidated manipulated or controlled by the world but we're because we know who we are we are willing to share the love of Jesus because we're not intimidated by the world that's good preaching Rick Warren said this he said you either live your life by priorities or you live your life by pressure if you don't have priorities in your life somebody else is going to pressure you into doing things somebody said it seems to be a crazy habit of man that when he loses his way, he doubles his speed. Kind of like the Air Force pilot in World War II, he flew over the Pacific and he radioed back to the controller. The controller said, where are you? The pilot replied, I don't know, but I'm making record time. <laughs> A lot of people are like that, speeding through life. 
they don't know where their head is. The last point I want to make in the last two minutes is concentration. Luke 4, 42, it says, when the day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place and the crowds were searching for him and he and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus said, I, I got to go some, to other cities. I can't just stay here where I'm comfortable. Now, we have in, in our church today, in, in different uh, homes, we have life groups. And one of the biggest challenges of a life group is to get so comfortable with the group that, that you're having your life group with that you don't ever want to split that life group and make more life groups. Jesus said, I got to leave this, this little group of people where I'm, I just feel so comfortable with because I must preach the gospel to other people who may not be comfortable with me preaching the gospel to them. When you're comfortable, no, 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 no. Not when you're comfortable. When you're at peace with yourself, then you will be willing to go out and help other people know Jesus as your personal Savior. If, the devil, if Satan can rob you of your peace and he can rob you and keep you stressed, you'll never be able to help anybody else because you're too busy trying to help yourself. We need to, we need to be stronger in him. Focus on one thing at a time. <laughs> I could get into that. Focus on one thing at a time. Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost, and we are Christians and we are Christ-like, what should we be doing? Seeking and saving. Helping him seeking to save the ones who are lost. It's so critical, so important. Jesus did not let any interruption prevent him from concentrating on his goal. He did not allow other people to make him tense or stressed or irritated. He concentrated on the task at hand. <coughs> Several years back when we, Dara and I lived in Colorado, and uh, we came down to uh, Maynard Downs, it's over by Elgin. It's a horse race track. It's not there anymore, but they used to have a horse race track. And we went, we came down there, and they had a chaplain there to race track, and and they invited invited me to come preach. So we went, and we had church in the bar at the racetrack. Oh, by the way, it was in the bar. Did you know that God could even show up in a bar? Now, all you alcoholics out there, don't think that God's calling you into a bar ministry. That's not what I'm saying. Not saying that. So we go in, we, we have church in there, about 20 people. We're all just sitting in a, in a circle there with chairs at the end of the service. Had everybody bow their head and ask him, if anybody wanted to accept Jesus, raise their hand. And I never had this happen before. Everybody, everybody in the room raised their hand. Everybody wanted to get saved. I was like, 
pretty cool. Went back home, and I felt like God spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to go back there and be the chaplain at, Sam, at uh, Maynard Downs. And they already had a chaplain. So I called my brother. He was in charge of the chaplains in the state of Texas. And I said, don't say anything to the chaplain at all. Let's just see what God does. But if he resigns, I feel like I'm supposed to go be the chaplain there. Two weeks later, the chaplain resigned. And I'm like, that's me. He calling me. And, I, and Russ called me. I said, I'm there. I'm coming. And you know what we didn't talk about? Money. Didn't talk about salaries. Didn't talk about benefits, health benefits. We, we didn't go through the, uh, we didn't go to the HR person to make sure everything was right. I didn't want to be distracted by the things when I knew what the voice of God had already said to me. We live in a, in our world today, this world will tell you, you got to do certain things. And I'm telling you, tell you, if that takes the place of God's word, there's a problem. We're not putting him first. Come down, come down to Maynard Downs and, and they, they gave me $250 a week. Had a wife, two kids. Had other people jump in and help, but the first week I was there, they doubled my salary. It still wasn't enough. But God made a way. Come on with me. I said, God made a way. The scripture talks about the peace of God passing all understanding. When we think too much and we argue in our mind too much with the truth of the Word of God, we are robbed of the presence of God. And when we're robbed of the presence of God, we're robbed of the peace of God. And if we are going to live stress-free lives, and if we are going to declare war on the stress in our lives, the greatest gift that you can give yourself is the gift of God's presence in your life, the gift of worship, because you will get through your stress if you will worship, uh, uh, perpetually have a life of worship and putting him first. I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's some things that God's wanting to do today in this group uh, and, and everybody watching online. God's wanted there there be a paradigm shift in the way we think about our lives and putting God first because uh, too many times we have grown comfortable with the stress. And that's not the kingdom of God concept. The kingdom of God, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm going to preach about that couple weeks I'm going to tell you God has a plan and his plan is for you to be at peace what a gift thank you Lord for your word thanks for loving us thank you for, for your presence in our lives today and I pray Lord that you just help us to understand that your ways are so much better than our ways and I pray Lord that you would help us to understand that you have our best interests at heart because you love us more than we could ever 
we could ever imagine how much you love us. We thank you, Jesus, for not just saying you love us, but that you actually put your love into practice when you went onto the cross so we could become the righteousness of Christ. I thank you for everybody here. Thank you for everybody watching online. Help us, Lord, to put you first in your kingdom and your righteousness, and then let all the other things be added to us. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. The truth says that we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God, all of us. Everybody in this room sinned. It's the truth. I've sinned, everybody. But he said that if we would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. In other words, we'll be forgiven of our sins when we ask him to forgive us, when we humble ourselves before him, say, God, I'm tired of living my life for myself. I'm tired of living this stress-filled life, and I want you to come into my life, and I want to begin a process of following you and understanding that your ways are so much better than mine. So this morning, if you never accepted him as your Savior, maybe if you have, you just, just haven't been living for him. Simply by raising your hand, say, Preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Thank you. Leave your hand up. We're going to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody? Slip your hand up high. You put your hand down. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Slip your hand up high. I need so we can see it. Anybody? Preacher, that's me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you raise your hand, would you mind looking up at me? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? Would you mind coming up? I'd be honored to pray with you. That's a good deal, man. I'm so proud of you. Tell me your name. My name's Cody. Hey, Cody. Thanks, man. I'm so proud for you. It's the greatest thing you'll ever do in your life. And it's the thing about God is it's a gift of God. It's not of works. We don't work to, to, to follow him. Come on. I didn't see y'all back there. Thank you. Stay here, Cody. Tell me your name. Jonathan. Hey, Rachel. So look here. Jesus died on the cross so we could live. In order for something to live, something has to die. This is pretty strong stuff. But we got to die to ourselves because we're the ones that mess ourselves up. He's the one that saves us. He created us that way so that we would understand how valuable he is. So what I want to do, I want to pray with y'all. I want to help you pray, invite him into your heart. It says if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. It's really honestly that simple. So let me pray with y'all. Y'all help us pray. Just repeat after me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Now look here, look here. That's right. It's just the beginning. This is just the beginning. And, and, and it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. 
what it means is the same problems you had when you came in is the same ones you're going to have when you leave, but you'll know how to deal with them better. And here's, here's the, hard, the hard part. You got to show up. A lot of people do what you're doing, but, but they don't follow through with it. Jesus was somebody that followed through. And uh, I just, just invite you to keep showing up and get, read the Bible, read your word, help him, and it'll help you. And ask the Lord when you read it. Say, how does this apply to me? And, and make a conversation with God. It's not all about talking to God. That's prayer. But, but meditating is letting God talk back to you. We're all good at talking, but we're not very good at listening. I just encourage y'all, be good listeners. Man, I'm proud of y'all. Thank you, Cody. Hey, go visit these guys for just a second. Bless you so much. So proud for y'all. Bless y'all. Thank you. Y'all stand with me, please. <coughs> Hallelujah. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. I'm so thankful for the presence of God. You can't have peace unless you're willing to fight the war. That just came to me. You can't have peace in your life until you're ready to go to battle. You got, you're going to have to do something. You got you to fight for your peace. Now, the Lord will do his part. And his part's always harder than our part. We think we're, we think, oh, God, I know you can't do this without me. No, we can't do it without him, right? But we got to do our part. So I want to I, I I pray for you. I really want to pray for you. And I want to pray that, that we begin to walk in peace with God and that we fight against, we, we prepare ahead of time. For, for the moral battles. We prepare ahead of time for the spiritual battles. We prepare ahead of time for the financial battles. We're not going to let the things that come our way own us anymore. We are going to be more than conquerors through him who loved us and gave his life for us. So I'm going to pray for you. Y'all raise your hands. I'm going to raise my hands. Lord, you see our hands, and as we raise our hands, we surrender to you, O oh God. I pray, Lord, that you would inhabit our praises. God, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us individually, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to, to know the truth, to know you, and, Lord, for that, that, that relationship that we have with you, that it would be, uh, we would seek you first, uh, your righteousness, and then let everything else fall in place, but put you first, oh God, in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for peace, and I thank you, Lord, that as we fight these spiritual battles, oh God, that we can win and that we are more than overcomers because you are our Savior. And we thank you for it. And we speak victory, Lord, to this people this morning. We speak victory to everybody watching online. And we thank you for the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody say it. Amen. Amen. God bless y'all. We love you. We got a prayer team up here. If you need special prayer, if you'd like to come to the altar, we'd love to have you. God bless you.